Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Swift Bites, a weekly Sea Jurassic Right podcast series where I cover what's happening in the universe of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, dinosaur science, and more. This week... We look forward to Camp Cretaceous Season 2 premiering this Friday. And I do a little Disney Investor Day style mock-up for what a full Jurassic Universe could look like. And Frank Marshall gives us a little update on the status of Jurassic World Dominion. All these bites and more, hold on to your butts right now. Hey, happy 2021. I think this is this isn't the first podcast, the first Sea Jurassic Ride of 2021, but it is the first Swift Bites. It's been a minute. There's been not that much news, so honestly, it didn't really make that much sense to be doing this every week and, you know, things have been a little nuts, but I'm super excited. I'm actually recording this right now in my new apartment. Woo! So if the sound is a little like echoey, it's cuz there's literally nothing on the walls, but I do have some protective sound that I nabbed from 
the exactly right studio when we moved. So maybe that'll help. I don't know. We're just going to do this. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been a minute. I'm super excited. Uh, I'm going to be dropping this episode and then also looking forward to 2021. That's going to be a special episode where I basically just looked at what's coming out this year because sadly we are not getting Jurassic World Dominion uh, in June of uh, this year anymore, but we are getting season two of Camp Cretaceous this week, um, potentially season three this year, maybe season four, and just some other dinosaur and some other Jurassic related things coming up. So um, there's still going to be a lot to do this year, which is very exciting. And yeah, let's just jump into our first story. So the Camp Cretaceous season two trailer dropped about a month ago. I wish I would have at least jumped on to talk about that, but whatever. It's coming out this Friday. So we're just going to get to watch season two. And I will obviously be doing a spoiler and non-spoiler review again, like I did last year. Gosh, that sounds weird saying last year. And I mean, I'm just so excited that we're getting season two this soon. I think, yeah, I don't, I mean, I think that they just saw the success of the first season and I, and I think because in all likely this was probably already in the can, they were just like, screw it. Let's just get it out there. Start 2021, right. As far as Jurassic goes. And then again, because we're not getting dominion, maybe we're going to be getting more camp Cretaceous this year. So who knows? So I'm going to watch this trailer very quick and then, um, we'll, uh, I'll lend you my thoughts. Nice. All right. So a few key things going into season two. Obviously, the kids were left behind. They looks like they go to Main Street, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, you think about it. Jurassic World is this huge resort with hotels and restaurants. This happens immediately after the events of Jurassic World season two starts. So there's going to be still tons of supplies and food and everything like that. So they're good there. The point is to try and get off the island. So it looks like they're trying to light some sort of signal. And we saw that there was a clip, um, a full clip released a couple days ago that shows the kids, Darius and the rest, go into Rexy's paddock where it looks like Rexy's building a nest, which I think is so cool. And yeah, let's see a couple other things. Yeah, no. So they're yeah, they're. Um, oh, and it looks like they rebuild the camp. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe whatever they were trying to do on Main Street didn't work out and they have to leave. I think that's going to be the interesting thing about this season is that what? why would they go back to the camp if they have Main Street? Besides Rexy, what drove them away? Or maybe there's a like, what's the reason for them going back to the camp? I think, honestly, that's one of my biggest questions. And a lot of people pointed out that it looks like the kids get a hold of Owen's bike, which I'm like... That's so cool. I've been spending a lot of time over the holidays with Pokemon and, and Jurassic Park or Pokemon and Star Wars, more on that later, and Marvel and stuff. And to me, like lore isn't just about characters returning and things like that. To me, it's about locations. It's about items, things like that, that have a history. To me, one of the most exciting things about Fallen Kingdom was seeing the bones of the Indominus. I think that was just such a really cool connection and i and i like the idea that at some point i mean i guess the bike was abandoned yeah abandoned on main street so maybe they found it there you know so to me stuff like that and 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 to me that feels i don't know it just feels like a more in-depth sort of looking at the material and seeing like what kind of connections and things can we make because again this does take place right after the events of jurassic world as you know season one kind of interweaved between um the original jurassic world movie yeah i think that's really cool and again i'll reiterate i 
talked to the author of the junior novelization, Steve Beeling, for Camp Cretaceous. And I talked to Leo Berenberg, who is the composer of the first two seasons you know, of Camp Cretaceous so far. Um, so I highly suggest listening to those interviews. They were a lot of fun. But the to me also there's this like gray ceratosaurus because in the first trailer it looked like we saw a, like a like one that looks like the one from jp3 so the idea that we could possibly be getting like a, a gray ceratosaurus like what does that mean and i mean truly like i'm just looking to spend more time with these characters you know we're, a lot of people have made comparisons to you know this is the Eric Kirby season of Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, which I think is really exciting. I mean, again, my hope is that, you know, if there is a rescue operation that we see, then, you know, wouldn't it be cool if it was an adult Eric Kirby uh, who's maybe, you know, since JP3 has become like a spokesperson and like a, you know, make, touring the circuit, you know, that that's the thing about, you know, the Jurassic universe that you know, has been briefly touched upon, but that idea of like how people deal with their trauma and, you know, tons of people who go through experiences end up becoming motivational speakers and stuff like that. And so to me, I think it'd be really cool if one of the kids grew up to do that. And I feel like Eric Kirby is the most likely candidate. I feel like Lex would go on to use her skills as a hacker to do other cool things. Tim would maybe do dinosaur stuff. Kelly would probably do other dinosaur stuff. But I really think like, Eric would be the one to like try and help people because he survived on Isla Sorna for eight weeks by himself. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited. Also, I mean, there's the unresolved Manticore issue. You know, um, Sammy, you know, gives data to that drone. And again, so many people have pointed out uh, that that a drone can't fly from Isla Nublar all the way to the mainland. So maybe there's like a boat offshore and maybe that crew come to the Island once they see that everyone's left, you know, like all the, you know, all the main people and stuff, you know, the boats at the end of season one, as well as Jurassic world. And they're like, cool. Now we just have this for the taking, or again, maybe there's, you know, stuff left over, like, you know, like who knows if everyone got off the Island, which I think is totally plausible. I mean, it's a big Island. There's people working. I mean, Excuse me. I mean, birthday Eddie got left behind, you know, so what's to say that other people didn't get left behind along with the kids. So there's tons of possibilities in season two. And this trailer didn't show anything about Ben. My theory is that Ben is going to be I'm curious if we're going to see what Ben is up to, because obviously they did a hint at the end of the first season that he survived Ben and Bumpy like are we going to see what they're up to throughout the season? And then, and then they meet up or is it going to be a thing where we don't see Ben at all? And then it's a surprise that he's alive to the other kids. I don't know. I'm just really interested in that drama and they haven't hinted it at all. So I think they're going to keep that one close to the chest until the season starts or who knows, maybe it'll be the first shot of the first episode of the second season. But um, are you all looking forward to season two? How are you going to be tuning in again? Uh, oh man, also that same night, WandaVision episode three comes out. Man, that's going to be a busy Thursday night this week. All right. Well, I am definitely going to stay up and watch, uh, you know, camp. Wow. Am I really going to? Okay. Well, I definitely am going to stay up because it was really easy. I mean, again, these really easy. I'm, I'm an idol anyway, so that's probably why it was easy. But, uh, yeah, season, season two, if it's eight episodes again, which I believe it is, um, you know, each episode was like 20 minutes. So it was, it was pretty doable to stay up late and watch it because I don't know, there's just something so exciting of like 
you know, that's why I miss going to the movies on opening night, because there's just that kind of energy of like, we're all watching this thing together. And so last week with WandaVision, that was what was really cool. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay up, but let me know what you guys are doing. Um, because you know, it's just exciting to break it all down and talk about it. So moving on, uh, this is a little bit belated, but I still really wanted to talk about it because it's just so exciting. So in December, there was Disney investor day, which essentially, you know, a year without Comic-Con or D23 or any of these other kind of announcements, it seemed like they, that, um, Disney really went all out for their investor day of being like, Hey, here's everything we're working on. And here, like, here are the most concrete plans we have for the next like five, 10 years or whatever, maybe not 10, but at least the next five, you know, and it's just, it was just such a, a balls to the wall, exciting announcement. You I mean, 10 Star Wars shows, 10 Pixar things, 10 Marvel things, like new announcements, exciting connections, all eras. And you know, I, I, I really want that for Jurassic. I, I know it seems like a lot, but I mean, you know, clearly we have plenty to talk about because, you know, even with one animated show in this, but I mean, imagine getting, you know, new Jurassic stuff every like three or four months or every six months. I mean, that would just be ugh, so exciting. I mean, that is what what's exciting about Camp Cretaceous is that we get a deeper dive into the lore and the world. You know, we get an expanded view of the world of Jurassic. We're not just dealing with five movies in a short film. And, you know, now we're dealing with five movies, a short film, uh, you know, two seasons of an animated show, you know, so it's like, it's ever expanding and stuff. And so to me, I just wanted to do a really quick, you know, fun. What would, what would a Jurassic universe look like if, if it got the Disney, if it got the Disney investor treatment. So, and uh, I posted this a while ago, but I saw some really good ideas from people and stuff in the group. See Jurassic Right uh, Facebook. Uh, yeah, see Jurassic Right Podcast on Facebook. But for me, this is what my and, and to, to, to sort of tell you how my decision making process came about is that, you know, like Star Wars, Star Wars, especially you have very defined eras. You have the prequels, the original trilogy, the sequels. Now we have the high Republic and the books, which by the way, I've read the first two and they're incredible. Um, so I kind of divided up Jurassic into a few different eras because I think that just really helped sort of define the gaps and the things that I want to know, because again, what's so great about the star Wars, you know, shows and, and especially like clone wars and rebels is that they really like filled in gaps and recontextualized things about the movies that made the movies better. I think Rogue One, you know, is like that as well, too, and Solo to some extent. And yeah, so to me, that was kind of like where my decision-making process was. It was like, what things do I want to know? Questions. What things do I want to see? You know, what things have we not seen that I would love to see elaborated upon? Stuff like that. So my Jurassic eras were defined as Jurassic Park and before. And then we have the Lost World JP3 through Jurassic World, that time period. And then we have Dominion and After. So obviously, this list is will, will probably be very different after Dominion comes out. It's like we just don't really know what Dominion's going to do. And it seems like it's going to do a lot for the Jurassic universe. So it feels like this is just very like, here's things I'm interested in. But we'll see what happens with Dominion. So obviously Jurassic World Dominion comes out 2022 is going to bring back all the, you know, you know, 
the original trio and Dotson's coming back and Biosyn and all that stuff. And then we're obviously having like Daniela Pineda and Justice Smith. So we have like the Sutton Barry and possibly Jake Johnson. So we're having all these new, all the sidekicks from the new Jurassic world movies and stuff and Macy and blue and most likely Rexy and the Mosasaurus as well. Um, so there's a lot on the table. So obviously Jurassic world dominion comes out and then a Hammond and Lockwood prequel. I think a lot of people are really obsessed with that, that idea of like, you know, you're sort of halt and catch fire, Mad Men style kind of Netflix show where it's showing a young Lockwood and a young Hammond creating the first dinosaur and that process and the road to Jurassic Park and maybe what drove them apart, um, you know, cr- you know, creating the Macy clones and stuff like that. And, you know, it doesn't have to be very dinosaur heavy, but it could, you know, it could have that fun science fiction you know that that's a chance to incorporate a lot of like 70s michael Crichton stuff when it comes to like westworld and terminal man like you could really get a cool 70s vibe um with that kind of show and ignore the beeping in the background <laughs> okay my next big thing is a is a dr Wu and spinosaurus story that's set in and around and after jp3 so to me this is like the ultimate clone wars tv show patch job because according to the dpg site and a lot of the tie-in material that came out around fallen kingdom they sort of went back and sort of put some context into jp3 that i think was sorely missing because in jp3 i mean ultimately that film doesn't have the big science questions or they don't have the screen time devoted to those big science questions like you do in the other jurassic movies um you know, they go into this lab, you know, is this how you make a dinosaur? No, this is how you play God. But like, they don't, you know, essentially the DPG website says that, you know, at the time, essentially Wu went back to Sorna and started making dinosaurs again. Like, you know, the Spinosaurus was maybe a precursor to the Indominus and, you know, sort of the, the turn from, um, you know, disgraced scientist to becoming the mad the madman that we see, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, developing um, in the Jurassic World movies. And to me, this is this would be exciting. It would be cool to even like see some events from JP3, but from the perspective of like maybe Wu was on the island at that time, like in a lab, um, you know, just doing his thing. And he is seeing like it's, um, you know, it's almost like a dangerous games element to it as well, where it's like you know, these people like the dinosaur adventures, like people are exploiting Isla Sorna at this time. And so maybe Wu is almost like luring people to the, or maybe not Wu himself, but you know, the forces that he works with are luring people to the Island to be bait for the Spino or something like that. I think that could be really um, engaging. And again, like, you know, BD Wong is so great and has really like, like owned this role. And, you know, as he said in interviews, you know, Colin really rescued his character that had a lot more to do in the original Jurassic Park book, which they've adapted a lot of that dialogue and a lot of the sort of um, malaise of the character um, uh, in this new franchise. And, you know, the Jurassic World phase was really adapted from the book. So the original Crichton book. So I think and sorry, I'm out of breath. I'm just very excited. (laughs) Um, and there's a lot of stuff in the lost world book when it comes to like the labs and things like that, like a lot of really memorable stuff when they first get to easel Sorna in the lost world book that they just never really 
touch on, you know, other than they just go into this lab and get attacked by raptors in JP3, but I think there's just a lot more there that you could play with. Um, I think you could do, I think it would be really fun because again, um, you know, talking to Leo and talking to Steve Beeling, like the Jurassic, when Jurassic World was operational, that is a big era that Universal really loves because it's the most exciting. It's a functioning Jurassic Park. It's a functioning Jurassic World. Like, so I would love a um, set after the events of Evolution of Claire when Claire gets a job at Jurassic World and it's sort of her... Um, it could be more anthology style, like more loose storylines, like her early years. But I think seeing a young Claire and sort of learning the ropes, because ultimately, you know, Jurassic World was a functioning park for 10 years, like, uh, but functioning doesn't mean that there weren't incidents. So I think you could do realistic incidents setting at Jurassic World that wouldn't close the park. Because again, zoos have stuff all the time that don't necessarily necessitate closing the zoo. Um, that almost never happens. I mean, truly <laughs> in real life. So uh, I think that would be really cool. And again, it would be able to, we'd be able to see the functioning park and maybe you could sort of weave in some of this paranoia and conspiracy and show kind of almost in a way, like how the prequel trilogy is about like the fall of the Jedi. You could sort of sow the seeds for Jurassic world's downfall, you know, when Hoskins comes aboard and you know, stuff like that. So I think that could be really cool. And that, and also these, the way I'm talking about this stuff, it could be show, it could be movie, it could be animated. I think this would be great animated to be honest. Um, but, um, you know, whatever. Uh, next, I would love to see a Sarah Harding film set pre-Dominion, um, just sort of maybe catching us up with what she's doing, giving her a big adventure that, you know, is dinosaur related. And because, you know, she, I mean, again, lots of people talk about, you know, uh, Sarah Harding truly is a figure that wants to be around dinosaurs. I don't think she was traumatized by her experience. I think she, it would probably only embolden her to want to do more. And so I think that I think there could, and also making it a Sarah Harding solo thing, I think, because again, I think, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a few months ago, it was like Julian Moore's never been asked to return to a Jurassic movie. And it's, you know, and I would love to see her in Dominion, but also I don't necessarily want her character to be shortchanged. So I think Julian Moore, I mean, she's one of the greatest actors um, ever, but uh, I, so I think she should carry her own movie. I think they, sh if they're going to do a Sarah Harding story, I think she should have her own movie, but I think this will come back a little bit later too. Um, so next, and this could be animated. I think this would be, I mean, I think I think of this as animated, but, um, a blue solo TV show about what she was up to between fallen kingdom and dominion. Obviously we don't know how they're going to pick up her story in dominion, but, I, I just, I always joke, I think I've joked about this on the podcast a lot, but that idea of like Blue goes to a small town and she like befriends a raccoon and some kids and they like sort of solve, <laughs> this is sounding like Scooby-Doo as well too, but like, you know, sort of just like, sort of like Blue go has her own sort of like life in this small town and, and you can get those small town vibes that I think a lot of people loved about Battle at Big Rock, like this idea that, you know, um, blue becomes sort of like i don't know it just keeps her special and i think it's that idea and like i don't know i'm just like imagining stranger things but with blue you know i don't like although i i haven't seen stranger things to be honest but i'm just saying tonally what to me what it looks like but i think having a blue 
solo thing would be really cool. I just love the idea of like, because we have these dinosaurs. We have Rexy, we have the Mosasaurus, and we have Blue. And I think that they could really carry their own adventures, you know, from, you know, maybe not from their perspective, but they're sort of the central figure of the story. So I would love a Blue TV show. And uh, obviously, I would love a Battle of Big Rock anthology style series about regular people's encounters, encounters with dinosaurs. And it obviously would be set between Fallen Kingdom and Dominion because that's when it's like new, you know, and exciting, you know, again, you know, I mean, basically just like kind of like the credits sequence of Battle of Big Rock, just doing little engaging stories like that, like one off, you know, 10 to 20 minute short stories that you know, show people coming into real life contact with dinosaurs um, on the mainland and not even just the dinosaurs released from Lockwood Manor, but I think even just smaller ideas of like maybe, you know, the black markets thing, you know, maybe somebody like who works for that company releases one of the dinosaurs and, you know, or they get some dino DNA and they do something, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for sort of small scale personal encounters um, there was a Marvel one shot after Avengers where a, uh, where, oh my gosh, who is it? I can't remember her name, but, um, like th- this couple, like this, like sort of, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, like robber, like small time crooks come, like they basically get a Chitari weapon and it's like, they're sort of, you know, it's bringing this sort of, um, magical thing into a smaller scale sort of personal story. And I think you could do that with battle, like doing a battle at big rock style anthology of people's encounters with dinosaurs. And so to, to sort of wrap it all up, I would love to me. I keep saying this in my head. I want a Macy trilogy directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, you know, the Mandalorian season two, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's episode that she directed is even better than her first, uh, directorial, uh, job in season one. And I just think Bryce knows how to handle, uh, heart and visual effects really well. And I think, and she's been such the heart and soul of the Jurassic world phase of the franchise. I think they should just give her the keys and have her make a whole trilogy and have Macy be the star. She's been to the events, uh, Fallen Kingdom and Dominion. And, you know, for some reason it's her and maybe Blue, you know, and it, and it's that thing where they're the main characters, but then, you know, sort of the ancillary Jurassic cast can come back in and out when needed. And, um, uh, because also I, I talked about it and I think the last Swift Bites I did of last year, but essentially there was a clue that maybe Dewanda Wise and Mamadou Athi could play bigger roles in the future of the Jurassic franchise as well, too. So I could see it like Macy, you know, along with um, them as like the, you know, as sort of the main cast, the main crew of like whatever dino adventures they're going to go on. But the way I would do it is the original, like, so the first one would almost be like, um, like a, uh, it would be, it would be the original Macy, you know, not the clone, but the original Macy, her adventures at the original Jurassic Park, and somehow that ties into current events with young Macy. And then the second film, you know, the stakes would raise and whatever, whatever the historical unearthing from original Macy creates, you know, new, um, you know, new plot points and things that, you know, they have to solve. Um, but then the second film would bring back Sarah Harding in sort of another main character capacity role, 
you know, but it's like, because we've seen her history in her own solo thing, then her jumping into this film, it's like, again, what I love about all these Star Wars projects and Marvel projects is like how the characters can crisscross and swap and join forces. You know, WandaVision, um, you know, is two side characters from all these Avengers movies. And then, and then a handful of the, you know, we haven't seen yet, but, um, you know, a handful of the announced cast are characters from throughout the MCU, you know, uh, Jimmy Woo from Ant-Man, Darcy from Thor, uh, you know, an adult Monica Rambeau from, you know, the, not the actor, but the character from Captain Marvel. So it's like, I want that for Jurassic. I want there to be characters from all eras and things to be able to kind of come together. So, and then whatever that third Macy film is the climax, but, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, again, I know universal doesn't, isn't quite, you know, they haven't quite expressed these level of ambitions yet with Jurassic, but I think it's doable. I think, dinosaurs are freaking awesome. And I think we would love this. I, you know, I mean, I understand certain people have fatigue about Marvel or about star Wars, but it's like, we haven't WandaVision is the first Marvel thing we've seen in a year and a half, you know, due to the pandemic. Um, again, star Wars is sort of arranged by era. So if you're not really interested in, you know, you can just watch the Mandalorian and not really watch anything else. I, I think, I think there's a way to make all this stuff compelling without you necessarily having to watch everything that came before it, but you are rewarded for that. I think that's what, that was what was so great about the Marvel movies is that, you know, they were enjoyable on their own, but ultimately you are rewarded for the investment. So, um, but let me know what you think, what kind of Jurassic stories would you want to see if they sort of opened up the palette to more side stories and things like that, a Muldoon origin story, you know, stuff like that. So um, yeah, we're going to touch on one more news thing uh, right after this. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. All right, and we're back. So the last bit of news today comes from Games Radar. Frank Marshall talks Jurassic World Dominion, Indiana Jones 5, and the Bee Gees. Uh, he just did this Bee Gees talk. Um, but yeah, let's just touch base really quickly on the Dominion news. If I can scroll down. Uh... Okay, so this article is from... I scrolled all the way up from Jack Shepard. It was published about a month ago. 
Let's see. So you just finished producing Jurassic World Dominion, which went through massive changes due to COVID. It was unprecedented. It was an unprecedented filmmaking process, unlike anything that's happened before. What was your experience like? And Frank says, and Frank Marshall is the producer of Jurassic World Dominion, all the Jurassic movies, Jimmy Buffett's friend, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and uh, produced the Margaritaville musical, which Brennan and I saw uh, it was early uh, in 2020 uh, before the pandemic. Uh, it was completely unlike anything uh, anybody has done before. Hopefully we'll never have to do it again. But one of the things about making movies is that you're constantly challenged or you're constantly overcoming challenges, whether it's with budget or location, you're always moving forward. So the trick was here, how are we going to move forward and finish this movie? And where we're, and that was the challenge and we we're up to challenges um, so for me, the tricky part of it is, you know, you've become a family on set and everybody likes to help each other. It's a different, you know, you can't see somebody telling a joke because you've got this mask on. The interaction is really weird now when you're working. Some people, obviously the actors have to have their masks off, but all the rest of us, we can't joke around as much. We can't enjoy it as much. And certainly you've used to going and getting somebody's chair if they need it, but you can't because if you've touched it, you've broken the bubble and someone's yelling at you. <laughs> These are all weird things to do with that are hopefully going to be gone by next summer. Hopefully we'll be able to start shooting indie at some point next year. Oh, there's a little indie update. Um, so were there scenes you had to change around like a crowd scene you had to rewrite to accommodate COVID protocols? Yeah, that happened on Jurassic. We were supposed to go to Malta with the main unit. And on the week before they had a surge there, our second unit was already there. Colin, uh, you know, Colin Trevorrow is pretty fast on his feet and he rewrote and rejigged a couple of sets with our crack production and design unit. We reconfigured a big set to have on the bond stage to keep telling the story. And then the second unit was there to actually shoot some wide establishing shots and transition pieces that Colin worked with Dan Bradley on, who was the second unit director. But again, it was being flexible and adapting and meeting the challenge of how to keep going. I was supposed to go to Malta from here to Malta, so I never made it over. That's the thing I really I really regret. I love being on set. I was not a happy camper. So that's really the only big news, which I think is very interesting because, you know, and, and I think it's a thing of like to, to sort of, you know, because I'm always somebody where it's like when you're dealing with interviews, you're dealing with press, people are just saying things to make people happy. They're saying things to sort of set an intention out there um, to make people think a certain thing. So I never trust press and PR ever or interviews i think it's people just saying wishful thinking it's it's giving people what they want to hear um it's not necessarily the truth uh just because i've worked in this industry and i just feel like that's how it works but um so to me this interview feels a little bit more honest in a sense of like him just being like yeah man like it's not you know because all the deadline articles and all the articles talking about all the covid things they did and all the success with that which is great, but this feels like a little more honest about the behind the scenes in a sense. Um, and, and also this sort of back and forth notion of like, did COVID affect how they shot Dominion? Did it not? Did it affect how they wrote scenes? You know, where are the crowd scenes? They finished the crowd scenes before COVID broke out, but they were only shooting for like a week in Vancouver. So does that mean there are no crowd scenes in this movie? So it's interesting to hear that they, and this, and honestly, this just confirms my thinking that, uh, when they ended up shooting second unit Malta, it wasn't like they were going to erase those characters from Malta. It was that they're going to rebuild a set in England and then just kind of shoot some. So, I mean, for me, this article or for me, this, this interview is interesting because it kind of just affirms my sort of what I thought was what was actually happening behind the scenes. So, um, you know, it remains to be seen how it's going to look. I mean, again, Colin has said it hasn't really affected the visual effects in any way, but obviously, you know, if they're building sets 
in England, they have to match Malta and vice versa. So maybe it's just, there's more indoor stuff and like, you know, it's, um, Owen, you know, riding his motorcycle around Malta, you know, with dinosaurs chasing him. And then, you know, that's the stunt double. And then once they get to a place where, uh, you know, um, everyone's on the ground and, um, Ellie and Grant and Malcolm, it's like now they're indoors, they're inside something or, you know, they're up against a facade where you don't necessarily see, you know, big wide shots of the city or anything, but, and then those are sort of separate establishing shots. So, um, I mean, really that's the biggest dominion news we've gotten so far other than a tweet from Colin yesterday, I think, <laughs> um, the tweet from Colin, which was, where is it? Let me find it. So somebody just asked, uh, there we go. So yeah, this was yesterday. So, uh, CJ nightmare with a K on Twitter said, asked Colin, he said, you okay over there? You've been really quiet lately. And then Colin responded because Colin loves to just respond. I feel like Colin's the type of person to like wake up at five in the morning or be working at like three in the morning and then just go on Twitter while he's waiting for something to render or waiting for like, you know, an editor to fix a shot or something. And so he'll just pop on Twitter and then randomly answer a fan's question. And so he, he responded and this was at 1130 AM, but, um, he says, I'm editing scenes with Sam Neill, Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum on an adventure together. I'm quiet because I'm speechless. Of course, I responded retweeting him being like, you did it. You crazy son of a bitch. You did it. Um, and I, that just made me laugh because I thought I was being clever. Um, but you know, again, I, you know, a big part, I think of the hype leading up to dominion is the three cast returning. I mean, again, it looks like they're, you know, it looks like they're going to do it right. They're not just going to give us a cameo one and done. Um, but again, I'm so curious how they're going to frame all of that. Why are these three people on an adventure again? What do they have to do with, uh, Claire and Owen and Macy and blue? Like, that to me, I'm still glad they're kind of keeping that a mystery in a way, because I think that'll be really exciting to see how that takes shape. You know, I think a lot of people were disappointed in Fallen Kingdom because it's like essentially, I, I mean, I remember back in the day, I was like, if they show Malcolm in the trailers, that means we're going to get lots of Malcolm in the movie, which I clearly was wrong. They just showed Malcolm in the trailer and that's pretty much all we got in the movie. So who knows, maybe Colin and, and, the, and Frank and um, Emily and stuff are like, you know, let's not, let's not reveal all, um, you know, because we want people to, you know, we want to have people discover this organically, um, you know? So, I mean, we'll see um, again. Um, I'm going to also in my um, 2021, looking forward to 2021, a big part of that episode uh, that I want to talk about, um, cause I'm recording right after this. Um, <laughs> the big thing I want to talk about is what kinds of dominion news can we expect in 2021? Um, because again, we're a year and a half away now from, you know, we were supposed to be six months away from, but now we're a year and a half away from. So what is the sort of rollout going to look like? Um, so I'm going to be talking about that a lot and yeah, I'm hoping that they really make it I hope they give us that sense of discovery of seeing these characters again. You know, I obviously would love to see something before the, you know, before the trailer or even with the trailer, but, um, I hope it's exciting. So, um, yeah, that's about it. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, 
I can't believe. Okay, so I mean, Camp Cretaceous season two premieres this Friday, um, January. What is the date? What's today? The eighteenth. So the twenty second. Wow, I can't believe it's already time for Camp Cretaceous season two. That's really exciting. Let me know if you're going to be watching. You know, you're gonna. Are you going to be in there when it drops at midnight for the West Coast? Or are you going to wait until the next day? Are you going to dole it out over the weekend? Last time, yeah, Brennan and I watched it Thursday night. And then I ended up watching pretty much the whole season again that weekend. And then, yeah. So let me know what your plans are. Um, Jurassic Park podcast, Brad Jost and uh, Tom Fishenden, they're doing a lot of stuff leading up to season two. Um, Brad and I podcasted a bit talking about episodes one and two of season one. So I'll put a link to that. It was so much fun. Brad's also doing live streams. Uh, they're probably over by now, but... Um, Brad was doing live stream rewatches of all the Camp Cretaceous shows. Let me know if that's something you'd be interested in, in doing with me, um, you know, for season two, um, which could be really fun. You know, we just sit and watch a couple episodes together. Um, again, check out my interviews with Steve Beeling and Leo Bierenberg. Um, I dropped a, an episode of watching this very classic dinosaur parody movie called Caveman with Ringo Starr. Um, Andrew Roebuck and I talked about that. It was really fun. Um, it's such an interesting movie looking back at it and I'm going to be the, I guess this is another, I, I'm just soft announcing this because it's more fun to just soft announce instead of keeping a secret, but I am starting a star Wars book club podcast. It's called everything but the movie, a star Wars book club podcast. So, um, I grew up with the expanded universe of star Wars books, shadows, of the empire courtship of princess Leia, the Thrawn trilogy, uh, X-Wing, the X-Wing books. And yes, to me, that expanded universe was just as much my childhood as Jurassic Park or even the Star Wars movies. And yeah, I, and I love, you know, reading was really my first love. So I just want to, I want to read some Star Wars books and talk about it. So essentially it's going to be a twice a month podcast. It's going to be bi-monthly one episode. I'll be talking about a new Canon book. So for those not in the know, when Disney bought star Wars, they basically wiped the slate clean of, you know, the stuff we've been talking about this episode, the lore and, you know, all those kind of stories, they wiped the slate clean and started over in 2014. So one episode a month, I'll be covering a book from the new Canon stuff like bloodlines, the high Republic, Lost Stars, Aftermath Trilogy, Phasma, stuff like that. Oh, my laundry's done. <laughs> That's I'm also doing laundry here at my new place. Anyway, so one book we'll be doing one book a month from the new canon, and then we'll be doing one book a month from the original expanded universe of my childhood. Again, stuff like Shadows of the Empire, um, you know, the Jedi Academy trilogy, maybe some new Jedi Order, maybe some Clone Wars books. Uh, you know, um, Courtship of Princess Leia, Thrawn Trilogy, X-Wing, all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to be starting a new project. It's been such a long time since I've started anything new. Um, but reading is fun. <laughs> that's my, that's the takeaway today. So anyway, let me know if you're interested. It's E, E, B, I have to remember this. E, B, it's E. Uh, if you want to follow on social, it's EBTM, everything but the movie EBTM Star Wars on Instagram and Twitter. You can't subscribe there. It's not up on any of the I haven't put the podcast isn't on any of the, you know, Apple pod or anything like that, but it'll, it will be soon. And yeah, I'm hoping to launch in 
this is why this is a soft announce because I don't have an actual concrete release date, but um, I've already been talking to some guests and things like that and been reading the books. So um, yeah, just stay tuned for that. I'll put a links to the social in the notes. And again, thank you everyone for listening. I'm going to be dropping as well at the same time as this, the looking forward to 2021 for SJR. So listen to that episode and let me know if there's any dinosaur or Jurassic things you're looking forward to in 2021. I just went to Jurassic quest, which is a interactive experience with animatronic dinosaurs. That is an outdoor experience. I just went and I talked to a few people that work there. So that's going to be an episode I'm going to be putting up soon. Um, yeah, let's just keep, you know, let's just, let's just keep that positivity rolling. There's so much good stuff to be looking forward to. And I'm so excited to spend it talking about it and enjoying it with all of you. So Thank you everyone for your support um, and I love you all and I will be seeing you very soon. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.